not. There is no try. Happy beach here, buddy. Come on. Copy that. We're almost there. You must have a thousand questions. Where's Ray? Go away. Jimmy, what are you doing here? When I found you, I saw what all masters live to see. Raw, untamed power. The potential of your bloodline. We need your help. We need the Jedi Order back. We need Luke Skywalker. The Bizzle! Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, you have picked an unbelievably special Bizzle cast. This is an epochal episode of the Bizzle's Daily Rebels. To quote Pyro from X2 X-Men United, I'm tired of this kids table shit. We are getting to the adult (laughs) material here. That's right. That was an X2 quote. And we are getting to Ahsoka, Darth Maul, and Darth Vader, Twilight of the Apprentice, episodes one and two with Tim Jirasi of The Saga Continues, who I am so lucky to have gotten on last minute to do this. I cannot express how thrilled I am. Maybe it's coming across in my voice. Tim, you have limited time, and we wanted to do this episode, this double episode, immediately. Immediately, but really quickly, thank you so much and welcome back as always, my friend. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, couldn't ask me for two better episodes of Rebels to join you on the commentary. So <laughs> I thank you for that. So we've got so much going on now. If if we had done this six months ago, it would be way different, right? We didn't know about the Clone Wars coming back. We didn't know about Siege of Mandalore necessarily, you know, or like mm-hmm. like rumors, or, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or even and, season four of Rebels. I mean, <laughs> how this episode ended, how it tied into the end of that season. So yeah, it would have been totally different if we did it just yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. And something I may mention, I, I have mentioned actually my season two podcast was that I I think Dave Filoni was too restrained on Ahsoka in season four. I, I think he he, I, he had good reasons to be so, but I was, even though she's in like maybe one of the best episodes of television ever in season four, at the same time, I was kind of surprised by her limited role in some ways, although I always thought she was coming back. We'll get to all that in the podcast. Tim, I want to get right into this commentary. If people are listening to this and people, you have been downloading the shit out of my, these commentaries. So thank you so much for the support for this, the Defenders, Jessica Jones, everything. I love doing this stuff for you guys. And the more I release, the more you guys listen. So it's a positive feedback cycle. And Tim, you guys have been a big part of this. I wrote Paul today to thank him as well. And I'm really excited to have Kyle on the podcast tomorrow to complete the trifecta. Um, although you are, you are Phasmatron. You are number two <laughs> in the Star Wars hierarchy. And yes, you are Phasmatron on this podcast. So you'll just have to accept that. Hey, I'll accept it. Even though I said last time I'm not the biggest Transformers fan, it just sounds good, Phasmatron. Phasmatron so <laughs> sounds amazing, especially if she comes back half robotic, as we talked about, which would be so Ooh, cool. there you go. Yeah. So, Tim, here I have only one lead-in question. And, guys, normally, as you know, I've been doing with these shorter episodes, rather than do a countdown every time, I've just been going right into it. And you guys clearly have been understanding what's going on, and you can line it up without me doing it. But since this is a mainline Bizzle podcast, in addition to a normal commentary, I am going to count us down into this one and talk about about subtitles really quickly and blah 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 tim i only have one question and then we'll count down into this and make sure you and i are aligned as well as the bizzlecast listeners which is what is with all of the fireworks and classic moments in this these double episodes what is like one moment or thing that you want the listeners to pay attention to that maybe is slips under the surface a little bit because you're good at noticing those things hmm. well i don't know i guess some of mall's dialogue really even after watching Solo, I mean, I haven't seen these episodes since then. And knowing that this takes place after Solo, I'm even kind of curious to pay a, little, pay a little more attention to Maul's dialogue when he first meets Ezra and kind of his subsequent dialogue after that. Just because it's like we said when talking about Solo, it just adds to the stuff that we've gotten before. <laughs> so I'm curious to check that out for myself. I think just for everyone, just maybe pay attention to see more of Maul's dialogue here now that we got some more context to what he was doing prior to before this and not too long before it. So I think that should be pretty interesting. Sam Witwer is a genius. He's a great physical actor and, and like real actor as well as voice actor, obviously as Maul. The combination of him and Ray Park and Solo was amazing, obviously. 
And dude, let's be honest, and we'll jump right into the countdown here. Star Wars can keep secrets. And I was yep. listening to your guys' podcast today, and you talked about whether they're going to keep the actor a secret for the Mandalorian show, which seems impossible, but if anyone can pull it off, Lucasfilm can. And what was funny is I joke about how Mark Hamill is like horrible at keeping secrets, and like part of the reason they announced Mark Hamill with Episode Nine cast right away was because there was no way he was going to be able to hold it in. You know what I mean? But Sam Witwer is a very social guy. He's on Twitch. He does RPGs online. He's a great guy. He's very public. And and for him to keep the mall secret, it sounded like it was very difficult for him. I know we all geeked out about the solo movie. So yeah, the solo movie with Kira Connection is going to come in. The Siege of Mandalore stuff is going to come in. We talk about his relationship with um, Ahsoka. I want all that stuff to be on the table. And honestly, like this is, this is you. I'm going to mostly be back squealing in excitement. I want to hear your commentary about this, which <laughs> is why you're here. I've been dreading doing this solo. And so thank you so much. Just as a friend, man, you know, uh, for... for, for helping me out with this which is going to be so super fun yeah definitely i, mean, I couldn't refuse when you asked and that's so nicely too so <laughs> happy it all worked out i was able to get in here and do this one i to quote tlc from the early 90s i ain't too proud to beg so you know <laughs> <laughs> and that was a much different context okay guys so here's the deal if you're joining us for the first time you're going to put your blu-rays dvds digital files to zero 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 now if you're doing digital files there's a little disney xd couple second thing before it goes black and then enters into the action if you're watching it on the blu-ray like tim it immediately starts black and then goes into the action so you might be one or two seconds off but it'll line totally fine so basically whether it's at zero or two seconds get to where the screen goes black pause it i'm going to count from three to two to one i'm going to say go at that moment, you should hit play, and Tim is going to count along with the first five seconds of the uh, the show to make sure that you're aligned and that I'm aligned, and then we're just going to go right into it. And then after episode one, we're going to tell you to you know pause, you know if you need to use the bathroom or whatever. Well, we get realigned, but we're really in, in, in terms of the podcast itself, we are literally going to count down directly into episode two because this is really Tim. Let's be honest, one giant episode. Yeah, definitely. They should have just put it as one on the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's weird. It is weird how they do that. So they learned their lesson in season four, I guess, right? To a certain degree. So, um, okay, guys, here we go. Twilight of the Apprentice, Tim. I, I, I'm going to say this is arguably the greatest display on Star Wars television. I know you guys are Clone Wars, guys. I do love the Clone Wars, too. But between this and the world between the worlds, I have trouble putting anything else at the top other than a couple Clone Clone Wars episodes uh, as the best Star Wars television, but we can get into that with the podcast. So, any final thoughts? Or are you ready to count in? No, I'm ready to jump in. Let's All do right, it, baby. All right, here we go. Here comes the countdown. Here we go, Tim. Three, two, one, go. One, two, three, four, five. Here we go, baby. We are in the ship. <laughs> I love the first exchanges Ahsoka and Rex having this moment together. Me thoughts? too. Yeah, I mean, right away, it's kind of, because even leading into this episode, it was kind of, the question was, is this it for Ahsoka? Is she going to survive? Is this the end of her story? And it kind of had an ominous feeling when she was talking to Rex here, kind of like their final goodbyes. And then that callback to the first Clone Wars movie, talking about how experience outranks everything. And Ahsoka now saying, well, I definitely outrank you. It's just so great, especially when you watch and the first older. Clone Wars movie. Exactly. Yeah. And you see how little she was then and how Rex was telling her all the experience he had and she had pretty much none. Mm-hmm. And now it's the opposite here. Even though Rex is older, wiser, same with Ahsoka. And she has probably seen more than he has now with her struggles I mean, with the Jedi, then leaving the Jedi Order before the Clone Wars ended. And then, which we can't wait to see in Siege of Mandalore and what her and Rex had to go through then and then her after that in the Ahsoka novel just so much so yeah see this is right away it kicks off the bat <laughs> what I was talking about earlier so mm-hmm. much new Star Wars subsequent content we've been getting with the books and stuff coming down the road oh I would just God. add to one little scene right there it's just going to make it so much more special and it already is 
So we're going to talk about why they're a Malachor and whether this is a giant red herring and how Dave Filoni kind of took us for a ride thinking that this was going to be some huge revelation for them and mostly things go to shit, which will be a discussion uh, maybe we'll have time for, maybe not, because it's curious why Yoda thinks this is a great idea. But really quick, Tim, I've talked about with you and, and the business class listeners, you know, I, I got into Rebels first and watched it numerous times through before I super, got super into Clone Wars, which I love now and doing commentaries, but all the Rex and Clone episodes just get... Not only do they get better after seeing Clone Wars, obviously, but like they are some of my favorite. Like the Lost Commanders is like now one of my favorite episodes after watching the Clone mm-hmm. Wars, and then Ahsoka's relationship with her friends, the clones. Because let's be honest, Anakin and Ahsoka treat the clones with so much respect, and almost nobody else does. Yep, and you feel it every time they're on screen together. I mean, the mm-hmm. the way the that two part arc from season two that introduced us to or reintroduced us, I should say, to Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. That final moment where. Rex and Ahsoka see each other again and they just she gives them that hug <laughs> it was just so special a great way to cap off their reunion together so I hope this isn't well we know it's not with the Siege of Mandalore here we go <laughs> Ezra <laughs> fucking idiot okay so question number one is a debate I have and, and this came up before the end of season four finale of would Ezra go dark which obviously he didn't spoiler alert whatever but he seems to be in control this whole episode and is using Maul in a utilitarian way. I'd be interested to see your ongoing commentary with Maul, especially with your comments in the intro about, you know, where is Ezra trusting him too much? Is it all part of his plan? It's hard to know what's going on in Ezra's head because let's be honest, he's smarter than Luke and Anakin in terms of the Padawans we've seen. Ezra's one of the smartest characters in terms of his age that we've ever seen, right, in Star Wars. He seems to be a little too trusting at certain points though too i mean that's part of what makes his character and part of like hondo yeah like hondo and then like the mall here Mm -hmm. like pretty much which you could say is a positive trait Mm -hmm. to have i mean he sees the good in everybody it gives them the benefit of the doubt but sometimes but i just finished my rebels rewatch and who's there to fight with him in the final battle we've got visago we've got hondo we've got the piggy we've got all the fucking scoundrels (laughs) that he's made friends with over the years and whether it's believable or not they were clearly building towards them all loving ezra and wanting to fight with him in the end so again this is yeah this is one of those it's hard to have perspective about what this was like oh let me ask you this right now tim because you watch this live i got into rebels during season three although i wasn't spoiled so i went back i didn't know who was so cool as other than people loved her so you watching this live were you already hooked on rebels or was this what like locked in the fact that you really liked this show no i was already hooked on it i mean i liked it when i first saw the premiere episodes but it when it got to the fourth one of season one rise of the old master that was like okay this show has a potential for greatness just yeah. like the Clone Wars. And yep. of course, we've got some more great episodes between season one and here. But Siege of Lothal. Yep. Exactly. Talk about anticipation. This is probably... Oh. Oh, got to comment on the cross lightsaber right there real, for, <laughs> real quick. I think I it's mean, an interesting comment that Kylo Ren so fascinated with the cross guard lightsaber. And Ezra's mm-hmm. like, meh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just visually, real quick, I just love how Malachor looks right here in this ancient okay. Sith temple. So here, here's, here's the lore. So in the extended canon, this is all from the extended canon, there was a giant battle almost 4,000 years ago between various factions of Jedi and Sith and Mandalorians, and everybody died, and this ended in a horrible death with a super weapon that's the original Star Wars super weapon I'm not going to go into, but there have been super weapons people before the Death Star. Oh, here we go! Woo! <laughs> First Inquisitor attack. We, have I we seen this Inquisitor before now? No, this is his first appearance in this episode. First and only appearance. <laughs> I love I Sarah Michelle Gellar's uh, uh, Inquisitor. Big fan. Yeah, she's great. The Seven Sister, her design, mm-hmm. her voice. The ID7 like droid. Great, yep. Yeah, everything about her is great. But just real quick, going back to what I was saying when I was Go. first watching it. Yeah. The first time, the season one finale, that was like the first time I've watched anything live <laughs> in a while. Just because like, I can't wait for this guy to voice spoilers. And this was even more so with Twilight of the Apprentice. Like I had to watch this live as well. So even though it sucked, kind of had to wait to the commercials, but it just, it was just worth it seeing it right as it was happening, mm-hmm. which is so much fun. And I couldn't wait. Okay. This is one of the great voice performances of all time. And <laughs> if you think this is too broad or over the top, you don't appreciate the art that goes into this. This is such a difficult performance. Now, you know the story about Filoni bringing him in as Maul in Clone Wars, so I'll let you tell it if you want. No, just as far as Sam Whitmer coming in. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I always love the story where he just says he was driving, and then when Filoni told him he almost crashed his car, like saying what? 
But and he does a great Filoni impression too. Every time yeah. he tells the story, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. This is knowing how great of a job he did as the son in the Mortis trilogy. How I love how Sam Witwer went about it. How he invoked the different Sith in his portrayal. Mm-hmm. Vader, Palpatine, and even a little bit of Maul in that performance too. And that's what kind of drove Dave Filoni to realize that he'd be perfect for Maul when they found out they were going to bring him back. But you're right. This mm-hmm. performance here sounded like a weak old man is just mm-hmm. dead on. I mean, I totally bought into it when we were that trailer even first came out and that's where we knew Maul was coming back. Yeah. Like, oh man, he really old is kind of old and decrepit now. Like, oh, what happened oh, to him? No. <laughs> the, 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 there's two great unanswered questions, Tim, in this, in this saga, which we need to talk about. One is, Kanan keeps talking about surviving and beating the Inquisitors, but not killing them. But if it's not for Maul killing the Inquisitors, they don't win this battle. And it's yeah. like <laughs> taking out Vader temporarily, right? So this mm. is my whole thing about in Star Wars, sometimes you need to kill genocidal killers in order for the greater cause. And Star Wars doesn't shy away from it, but they sort of get away from it conveniently here with Maul killing them, whatever. Uh, my next thing is, the funny, there's so many funny aspects of this, but Filoni called up, uh, basically Lucas told Filoni in season three or whatever that he wanted Maul to come back and immediately Filoni called Whitware who was doing the Force Unleashed and other voices for them and was like can you do a Darth Maul for us you know like on almost no notice and Maul and, and but he did describe him as a Gollum-y version of Maul which I thought was interesting he specifically we know Filoni loves Lord of the Rings man he specifically described him to, to Sam Whitware at the time as sort of Gollum-y sort of schizophrenic and I just think Whitware nails it thoughts oh Totally. I mean, how can any, I don't see how anyone could be a but fan But do you of see that influence agreeing. being also a Lord of the Rings guy and knowing that Filoni's Lord of the Rings guy? Do you see the sort of golem influence? Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah. So even Maul's first appearance when he was Spider Maul, but then also, too, when the son was like in the second part of the Mortis trilogy, where he was that little like goblin creature, mm-hmm. he even reminded me a little like having that golem type personality and voice there as well. So it's always been kind of part of his performance when he's playing these type of mm-hmm. dark side characters so it's great all around so for the listeners who are less familiar with all these people behind the scenes tim i just want to point out that feloni is clearly the disciple of george lucas and that is why disney not only kept feloni on board but has given him more and more power and more and more creative freedom and now he's even directing live action including the premiere of the mandalorian that's another discussion however sam witwer is maybe the smartest star wars brain on the planet and he's so smart in his brain that even though Filoni makes fun of him they are constantly making adjustments because like Whitworth will point something out and a great story man which I'm thinking you've heard from Solo had to do with like Ron Howard wanted him to ignite the lightsaber but they had to have this big discussion is it the two-sided red lightsaber you know is it the one side like Whitworth brought it up mm. on like on set you yeah. know what I mean and the fact that but the fact that Lucasfilm respects someone like him as more than just a voice actor I think shows how much care they put into their casting and everyone they hire and the whole process go ahead no yeah definitely it's just great that first of all he has that knowledge and he brings it up because <laughs> you would kind of expect not everyone on something even like the director ron howard to be familiar with all the lore and stuff that would make sense in the timeline for us die hard fans and sam whitwer is a die hard fan uh, among with us so it's just great that he knows that when he tension asked him about the lightsaber because i believe it was, we're just going to use the one from phantom menace but then he goes like uh, you know, that's I forget exactly said, but you know, that's not the wrong lightsaber. Right? It should be the one from Rebels. And of course, they had to get that right. And they did. It was just so right. awesome. Here's lore time, Tim. You ready? I'm going I'm to do this as quick as possible. 4,000 years ago, there was a battle between Jedi and other Jedi who became the Sith. And then the Sith even split and the Mandalorians were involved. The Mandalorians got beat. The Jedi ended up dividing. Some of the dark Jedi came back to the Jedi. Some of them became darker and formed the, the Sith that we know now. It was all part of the Mandalorian Wars. But Tim, there was something called the Mass Shadow Generator, which was the super weapon that came out of this planet of Malachor and killed literally everybody. So my question is, is this the same weapon that they used in the in the war and like why did yoda think this was a good idea for them to come here i know that's the question because we know yoda is not sending him here to get that weapon <laughs> i think maybe he just it might be one of those things where he knew this was the path that so has to fight vader these I think. Like, all these characters had yeah. to take in order to set things in motion for the course of the if galaxy. You, if you accept that they were conceiving of World Between Worlds already at this point, Tim, it makes a lot more sense that this would be part of Ahsoka's journey and Yoda actually was communicating to Ahsoka even though he told Ezra. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't believe that Yoda knew fully everything that's going down or what's going to go down here, but he just knows this is where these characters have to be. Yep. The mass shadow generator. That's what he's talking about. Yep. I also love too how this whole sequence of Maul and Ezra going in here, it all has to deal with, you know, the rule of two, like not one person can do it. (laughs) It has to be two. It's going into the whole Darth Bane rule of two thing. So it just makes sense that the Sith would even put that into like their temples and how to get this weapon. I just love that aspect of it. What I love about Ezra is when Yoda gets him riled up, he'll he'll start talking about being angry, and then Yoda also will put him in his place, and Ezra will be like, yeah, I, whatever. But when he talks to a dark side person, he feels very uncomfortable when he hears Maul's version of the Force. You know what I mean? Like he, That's why I'm saying I think Ezra's maybe smarter than it seems here. He's already like, I maybe I need this guy, but I, I don't think he ever trusts Maul here, and I don't think he ever trusts Maul in season three, but that's very much up for debate. Well, I think definitely by season three, he doesn't trust him. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Like, once he gets Kanan's, like once he betrays him, he fights Ahsoka, and definitely when he blinds Kanan, I mean, that's where, you know, <laughs> he doesn't trust Maul ever again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of only out of necessity for season three where I think he, mm-hmm. he has to do what he says because of that link that they have. Here's, here's what Maul doesn't get. Tell me if you agree with this. He sees Ezra, how small he is and how young he looks. He doesn't realize how well-trained Ezra is at this point by Kanan, right? That he that these sort of a for these sort of dark side aphorisms really would not resonate with Ezra whatsoever other than achieving this particular goal in front of him I mean the only time it, we see Ezra's eyes go dark sidey is the beginning of season 3 when Kanan is abandoning him and, and Ezra's just going full on murder but then he comes back to himself by the end of of, of that uh beginning of season 3 go ahead mm-hmm. I don't always think too like yeah, Maul probably doesn't expect that he has been trained very well, and that's how he wants it, because we know after he encounters him here, his next plan is to have him be his apprentice. So I'm sure he's kind of glad about that, too. It's almost like he has just around enough amount of force ability that he needs to get the weapon, but then not enough to where he can manipulate him and train himself to become his apprentice, which is kind of true, too, I mean, because we know the whole thing with, especially in season one, Kanan not feeling he's right to train Ezra because he wasn't really fully trained. Mm. So it kind of goes into where that probably is accurate for Ezra, where he's, mm-hmm. he's showing as good that he can be with his training, but who knows how good he could have been if he had the proper training, maybe. Yep. So as you know, I am a major force philosophy guy, but Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie. And people are like, well, there's almost no force stuff in Rogue One. I'm like, yeah, I love Rogue One in spite of the fact that there's not a lot of force stuff and the stuff we get is great. But it's hard to deny, Tim, for me, that throughout Rebels, even though I love or like almost every episode, like, there's like five or six bad Rebels episodes, in my opinion. I'm not saying they're all great, but there's only a handful that I don't like watching ever. It's hard to deny that the four stuff with Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra, for me, which is why I said the other day in the podcast, I like this season the best, is the, is the Jedi stuff in Rebels is so well executed, and I wish we see more of this in the, in the saga movies, and I hope we do in episode mm-hmm. nine. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's something I've always been hoping for since the sequel trilogy was announced Mm -hmm. to really get into the aspects of the force that we saw in Clone Wars and Rebels. And so far, they haven't quite done that yet. Yeah. And I I guess these type of things have their place. And right now, if their place is just in the TV landscape of Star Wars. But I'm hoping one day we really get into the beat of the force Mm -hmm. in an actual film, whether it's a standalone film or a saga film. So I don't think Taylor Gray gets enough credit. When he gets funny lines to deliver, he kills, and he's the least annoying Padawan, including original Luke Skywalker. Sorry, guys. I love the original trilogy, too. But <laughs> that let's be one honest. we'll have to disagree on. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I think I think the writing, they, they get better and better over time, and with Rey being the, and Ahsoka being the ultimate examples of unwhiny. I mean, Ahsoka by mid-season one, they've nailed the writing. Rey, they get almost, you know, other than Rey going, like that's literally the only whiny thing she does the entire movie they're getting better at it i i I think it's 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 less saying that ezra's the least whiny and more that i think kanan is a great compliment as more of an older brother than a traditional master right so it makes it more palatable for me 
personally, um, but uh, like uh, I, I will say that I, I don't know. Like the the power dynamics of these three Jedi. Forget the Inquisitors of all for a second. The power dynamics between Ezra and Ahsoka and Kanan always makes sense to me. And what I realized rewatching season two, Tim, is Ahsoka is informally training Kanan and Ezra through this whole season without I think any of them. Like I don't even yeah. know if Ahsoka realizes that she's training them. It's a beautiful thing. No, yeah, I totally agree. And that's kind of something we get in the episode. Bef- I don't know if it's right before this. No, it's like actually like two or three before where they're in the temple and we were as a counter do it again. They find out to go to Malachor. It's like all three of them kind of playing their parts where like they're all learning from each other <laughs> from their experiences. It's just great. And real quick, I want to go back to something the Inquisitor just said right there when they were being he was being interrogated, uh, if I could talk, interrogated by Kanan mm-hmm. and Ahsoka about why mm-hmm. he's there. And he says, chasing a shadow so again this goes back to what i was talking about from solo that's a line of dialogue i didn't remember right away where we know so in solo Maul was with crimson dawn but how does he get from crimson ahead of crimson dawn to searching here and being abandoned the temple of malachor was the inquisitors like chasing them during that time too and this is like the first lead they had since maybe they're trying to wipe him out when they found out he was ahead of crimson dawn so Mm -hmm. just little things like that just makes you think what happened to that time period and how Maul fell from the leader of Crimson Dawn to mm-hmm. here in Malachor. So maybe that line the Inquisitor just had about chasing Maul, maybe it was something they've been doing for a while and we just haven't realized it yet. So this <laughs> is it. Here's the Holocron, off. but it's also a backdoor Trojan horse super weapon. But it's not clear other than destroying this temple what happens to the super weapon other than this is an echo of the mass shadow generator from the Revan battle 4,000 years ago is the only thing I can think of. I don't know who the female voice is. We can wait till the next uh, episode, man, talking about the female voice behind mm-hmm. the super weapon. I'm very curious about that. But a line that I haven't noticed before, I saw um, a couple minutes, a minute ago, when they, before they jumped over the the, the chasm was he says only uh, Marth, Maul says only someone willing to risk oblivion is worthy but that doesn't seem like Ezra's personality like it immediately is he's just like I'm gonna jump this chasm like whatever you know like yeah he, he's just a solutions oriented guy and it gets him his trouble but like I don't think he's like I'm going to risk oblivion in like this metaphysical way the way Maul looks at it and that's why Maul is, compl- is constantly annoyed at Ezra because he thinks Ezra is this deep Sith thinker the way he is and that's just not the case you know what i mean and he usually acts out of selflessness too to help his friends <laughs> out of situation that's yeah. the motivation for a lot of his actions so that is definitely going like opposite to what maul would want that's for sure and the sith way trust me you definitely trust him here <laughs> so wait again really quickly you having watched us live you knew maul was coming in during this season at some point yeah because in like the mid uh, season two like every point in the middle of the season once it's on its break and it's about to come back they put out a new trailer and in that trailer they showed maul okay so this scene right here this scene right here other than just for dramatic purposes is this maul going there's a slight chance i can make this kid my apprentice so i'm not going to kill him oh totally i totally think so because right here he could easily just take the holocron he has that smile he's making you think this is gollum in the pit by the way i mean this is exactly (laughs) gollum in the pit yeah, then he grabs him. <laughs> but I, I always think when he, when Ezra says you throw me, it always reminds me of Gimli going toss me. Yeah. You got to toss me. <laughs> Don't Aragon tell the elf. That look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You're a big no, Lord of the Rings good. guy, right? Oh yeah, I love Lord. So of the do Rings. you do you like love indifferent or actually dislike all of the blatant Lord of the Rings stuff? A fool's hope, questions that need answering. I mean, constantly Filoni openly is aping Lord of the Rings. I uh, love that in my science fiction and fantasy. I'm curious what you think. Here we go, baby. Uh, I love it too. The more the better in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I They're remember, learning from each other over time. Yeah. I remember the helicopter sabers got a bad rap when this episode first aired. <laughs> like everyone was complaining. But this is about my it. thing. This is like the jump <laughs> Kanan being able to jump way further than the live action characters. Like it's a cartoon format. It's not that it's for kids. It's like you want to be playful within this format, you know? Like mm-hmm. by the way, this is all Journal of the Will stuff, right? These are different interpretations of stories. Like I wish people would just realize that like it can be canon, but we don't need to like do one on one power comparisons between Ezra and Ray. Because exactly, if you did, yeah. then Ezra could kick Ray's ass, but we know in real life that's not really the case. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, totally. It's just like it's sometimes it could be fun to do that, but in the reality, it shouldn't really affect. Do you think J.J. Abrams with Ray and Kylo and maybe some new Jedi's and hopefully the Knights of Ren and so forth is going to go a little bit more prequely, despite his history in terms of giving us spinny, fighty stuff mm-hmm. like this? Oh man, look how glorious! So this cool! Is. How oh. awesome is that? <laughs> we'll get back to that. Talk about this fight. Oh, Soka! Yeah, baby! Woo! <laughs> uh, I just love. You know, Maul in the background, slowly watching in the sense of miles. How awesome. No way he could take all of them out, probably with the exception of Ahsoka. But all these oh Inquisitors, God, the there's shadow. nothing to him. So See. we need two things we need to talk about is why Ahsoka is so appealing. Uh, and the next episode, Tim, because this is going to stop here. And we're going to take just a quick break and get everything on that. Hey, I went by too quick. <laughs> oh, my God. Way too quick. So really quickly, and then we'll get lined up. So I want to talk about, and we will count the people down, why Ahsoka is so appealing, both in terms of her physical design, but especially her personality, um, both in Clone Wars and here. Um, I, did, I do need to ask you the question of, as a someone who watched the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars came out and this, when this came out, which is not me what it was like when you found out ahsoka was coming in and what that was like so that was one question my other question has to do with uh just sort of the the physics of how they do lightsaber battles and stuff because that's like a super nerdy thing that people <laughs> love to talk about so um that, does that sound good and we'll get the countdown going for part two yeah that sounds good awesome all right guys so now is the time to queue up your dvds uh for the second part of twilight of the apprentice baby with the oh oh, man i'm not even gonna try and describe it there's so much that goes on so get to zero 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 (laughs) i'm gonna count from three to one i'm gonna say go you're gonna hit play tim is gonna count us to five to make sure we are lined up and tim i'm i'm as soon as you say five i'm gonna say the word good like i'm good and then i want you to talk immediately because the battle happens like right off the bat okay (laughs) okay all right so let me just make sure i got my recordings going here everything seems to be good um and uh yeah okay so here comes the countdown and then again guys tim's gonna count to five make sure we're all lined up and here we go three two one go one Two, three, four, five. Here we go, baby. Wow, so what an awesome shot. This is the three Inquisitors <sighs> red lightsabers standing off against Ahsoka and Kanan. And their samurai blue. shit right here, yeah. Yeah. And then Maul, oh man. <laughs> Some dialogue, formerly dark, now just Maul. <laughs> oh, so good. I mean, He's on our side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting when I first saw it for Maul to ignite that lightsaber. <laughs> and then what he does is like, oh man, here we go. Red on red lightsabers fighting while kicking their butts. I was, I was hoping- These guys, I, I'm sorry, Ahsoka should have killed the Inquisitors earlier in the season. Now they have to rely on Maul to do it, and that it causes big problems for all of them. And I, exactly what it should be, too. Like, Maul should be able to take these three Inquisitors oh, hands yeah. down. But if Ahsoka Jeez. can take Maul, then Ahsoka should have been able to take these guys down in the earlier episodes with them. Oh, I totally agree, too. And she pretty much took him down pretty easily in that episode I Children think of the she Forest. wanted to not kill them in front of Ezra yeah. is my theory yeah yeah she definitely didn't want to kill him but she easily could have but unfortunately <laughs> it gets her almost killed essentially essentially killed in this dimension and it gets Kanan blinded although maybe that's what should have happened the end game well, see, Lady Tano think, sorry yeah just I think no matter what she did with the Inquisitors, the outcome would have been the same here. Just Maul yeah. wouldn't have to take him out, okay. but he still would have done so, what he did to uh, Kanan. Tim, big, this is a big character mixed with lore question. So he just talks about the end game, and we know when he dies, spoiler alert, when Obi-Wan kills him for the second and final time, he says, you know, will he redeem us? Speaking about Luke, I suppose, and Obi-Wan says yes, right? And my question is, is the end game just as simple as Maul puts it as just getting revenge on the Sith, so to speak? I think so. I mean, that's all what drives them, especially what we saw in season three and four of Rebels. That's all he's concerned about. But I, I'm sure, too, he craves power. Like, once he gets revenge on Palpatine and Obi-Wan, he'd want to rule the galaxy like he felt he was meant to. So I'm sure revenge first and gain power second. <laughs> so uh, there's not much cooler. In ter- I mean, you've got lightsabers and then you've got holocrons in terms of coolness factor of just yeah. looks. Um, so many Jedi goodness. <laughs> I assume the holocrons were in the old EU as well, right? And they started working in yeah. with, with the Cad Bane line, which, by the way, was the first Clone Wars arc I did with Simi was a Cad Bane in the holocron, because I really feel like Clone Wars takes off, you know, mid-late season two, and you get Cad Bane, you get all the bounty hunters, but you also get the holocron stuff and the baby Jedis. Like, we just agreed that was the first arc we we're going to do, because we can't do everything in Clone Wars. But man, the holocrons always look good. What are your thoughts about the holocrons? 
yeah, I always thought they were a cool concept, just like, you know, a, a tiny little object that contains so much important information. And I love how it's not just like an archive, but it could be used as a teaching tool for like Jedis and Sith. I think one of the best uses of holocrons that I've read about was in the Darth Bane novels where Darth Bane mm. travels um, to, I forget the exact planet. Was it? Yeah, it was Korriban back in the old EU where mm. he discovers a holocron, which he pretty much gets a lot of his training from. And it was just cool to see him fully embrace that and just how that holocron really <laughs> kind of put him over the top to becoming a Sith master. Mm-hmm. So I just love the different aspects that holocrons so- can contain. I love everything from the EU. I didn't even grow up reading a ton of EU stuff other than Thrawn, but I read some of the old Republic comics, but Tim, everything they've brought in with rebels and everything else has been amazing. Even if we don't get the full on Knights of the old Republic, it's clear they're drawing. I mean, Malachor, the Mandalorian Wars where we know the Jedi won, like we know they're bringing it in. And my argument about, again, this will be my one Rogue One plug, and this is a Dave Filoni plug too. The reason I love Filoni and Gareth Edwards over Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams is because I know Filoni and Gareth Edwards grew up reading that shit that we were reading. I'm not convinced J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson Mm -hmm. were growing up reading that stuff, and they're clearly working in it. And let's be honest, whatever you think of the new movies, Solo and the, the anthology movie Solo and Rogue One have brought together the cartoons and the extended literature way more than the the saga movies. Maybe that's just a form of of it being set in the original trilogy days but you know what i mean like it, uh, I, let's put it this way i never would have expected ron howard could have pulled off like a thousand references that i even i don't get in the solo movie of the old literature oh yeah and i think that goes in part two to uh, john kazan because mm-hmm. i know he's a big time fan who read all this stuff but i think point. he attributed to a lot of that cool easter egg stuff he wanted maul i think and maul with the mm-hmm. lightsaber was john kazan yeah. yeah here we go yeah just a little, you know, thing to whet the appetite for what's supposed to come later on this episode here, but it's still a great sequence of fights that come on this. Yeah, let's kill our good scenes. guy as slowly as possible so he can <laughs> escape. Oh, of course. <laughs> the one thing they do, I think... All to the rescue. Mere- I mean, how cool is this to Ahsoka and Maul charge in together oh, <laughs> as, for this brief moment as allies? <laughs> Rewatching this after Siege of Mandalore is going to be meta on so many Dude, levels. I can't wait for that. It's going to be like a great one-two punch. You just finish watching the Siege of Mandalore, then you pop mm-hmm. these two episodes in. Okay, can we talk about Ahsoka's design for a second? Oh, yeah. When did you know Ahsoka was coming into Rebels? Um, you see, I've always... there was. The rumor there was heavy rumors about it because yeah this whole thing where fans were you know taking apart the audio of fulcrum's dialogue and saying that it sounded like a female voice and it even sounded like ashley Eckstein. so there's a lot of hints towards it so it wasn't officially i found out until the season one finale where she showed up i stayed away from any like confirmation spoilers but the rumors were always out there so it was one of those things where it was like I was so glad that's, that's what they decided to do. But it wasn't like, a, oh, man, I can't believe it. I, like, this was so unexpected. I did have an inkling that just maybe mm-hmm. she would be coming back. Mm-hmm. By the way, all of this deep, dark, ancient archaeology stuff is like Indiana Jones, but cooler because it's Jedi stuff, right? I yeah. mean, it's like <laughs> fucking amazing. So my question is, when you first saw older Ahsoka, were you like, that's older Ahsoka, they nailed it? Or did it take you some time to get used to it? No, it was right away. Oh, they nailed it. She looks great. I will say, too, because if you remember in the Mortis episode, the first one, Overlords, where she had that vision of her older self, she looks different than what she does here. And I think her design here in Rebels was perfect. So I was definitely happy with the design. It was just, I remember seeing her come down that ladder Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the Rebel transport, the Desirena voice, which is such a... we missed, we missed the first elevator moment where he is still with Kanan and at malls with Ahsoka and Ahsoka's like, yeah, I can handle myself. I mean, how much more meaning does that have now? The thing is they knew about the siege of Mandalore when they were making this, but we are oh, totally, like, yeah. just starting to learn more and more about it. I can't believe that Sarah Michelle Geller's voice, by the way, dude, you and I grew up in the same generation, you know, her as Buffy. She was like it girl growing up. It's beautiful, badass. Like, let's be honest. One of the first badass female TV characters talk about Ahsoka and stuff like, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller was right up there, you know, in the early days. I can't even recognize her voice. It's so funny to think of her and Freddie Prinze doing voice acting together yeah. with these characters. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember there was rumors like she was announced 
like before we knew who she was playing, there was a bunch of speculation. Is like, oh, she's going to play Leia. You know what's like funny? Be in the season. She's the breadwinner of the family. You know why? Because she does the Gwyneth Paltrow lifestyle thing, like cookbooks and shit like that. Like, she, I think she gets way more work than Freddie Prince. I don't know what Freddie <laughs> Prince does outside of this. God bless him. <laughs> uh, there's Maul taking out one of the Inquisitors, and in I don't think Ezra Maul really fashion. is really thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> like he's his like first Rey. test for Maul. That's my thing. He's like Ray, and then he comes back to himself. As I've said, Ezra has way more training than Ray, but he's also more impressionable um, and more, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's an interesting contrast because we're sort of growing up with them as they grow up, right? Ray mm, and Ezra totally. sort of side by side. Any comparisons there you want to talk about? I haven't really thought about that as far as comparing those two characters, but they did kind of come from similar upbringings as far as, you know, being alone as young people for a long time and not having Mm -hmm. anyone. Ray more so than Ezra, though, because she was abandoned at a way younger age. But Ezra, I think, is... I'm not saying he's more complicated than her as a human being, but he's more complicated in terms of touching the dark side or the gray. By the way, interesting to think of Maul as the inverse of the Bendu, right? Sort of like the dark side of the gray, if the Bendu is sort of the light side of the gray. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't I've know. Bendu him- shows some do- a lot of dark side stuff in that yes. finale. <laughs> I've been calling Ahsoka silver because she's too white. She's too light side to be gray, but she does want to be separate from the Jedi. So I've been calling yeah. it silver. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not yeah. trying to make that it's just more me trying to describe what's going on okay tim we'll do a five minute wrap up when this is done so let's just talk from here to the end play by play go oh, just more great lightsaber action ahsoka and maul showing like why they're two of the oh! best right now <laughs> so cool. we, we see that in clone wars all the time we don't see yeah. that in rebels much baby <laughs> it's a little tamed here in rebels i think it Clone Wars, we would have saw the blade actually cut him <laughs> and not cut like, where he goes. It's almost the blade pornographic at times, though, for in Clone Wars, like the murder of. of oh, yeah. here we go. I love this. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know, like the death of Satine. I, I guess they had to do a super uh, dramatic death of Satine. It's so traumatizing. You never forget it. <laughs> I love Ball's reaction here. He says, You mean my apprentice already? This is it. He's taking charge here. Oh, <laughs> like, oh no. This was a huge shock when I saw it for the first time. I was like, oh, man. Because like, I, I kind of yeah. baby Kanan. We all knew Kanan was going to die eventually, but I wasn't expecting him to go blind. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. A little more. I think this is it where he gives a little callback to Siege of Mandalore right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Revenge on all my enemies. Typical Maul line. <laughs> I guess there's not a lot of dialogue from the season of Mandalore is coming up in his little skirmish. Hey, Tim, will you, mm. will you just read the next few lines of dialogue that come up? So make sure I'm still aligned with you. I'm going to make sure I don't have a blip here. Like when Ezra says something. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, just read it. Of course, we're at a point where there's no dialogue. Right, right of now. course, we're at a point where there's no dialogue. It doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> Holocron is such cool designs, too. Oh, God. Oh. Pyramid for the bad guys, cube for the good guys. Although it's a dodecahedron, really, for the good guys. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. This, of course, is teasing stuff we see in season four, right? With the gate and world between worlds and everything. Yeah, this is just the environment here, just how different it looks <laughs> compared to everything else we've seen. So this is the super weapon. I, I think this is the remnant of the super weapon from 4,000 years ago. I, I have no other explanation. Who comes forth? Okay, we're good. It's a dive. Okay. Ezra, Ezra Bridger. Yep. Yeah, I have some theories on who that voice was. Go. And I got to say, that's one payoff we didn't get because Dave Filoni said we would find out who that voice was in there. And I thought it would be their opportunity to bring in another EU character into the canon, which is Darth Zana, Darth Bane's apprentice, who I could totally see her creating her own all her own holocron being the first one to kind of be under the rule of two. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that would make perfect sense. And you know, there's a female voice that is coming out of that holocron. I thought it would have been cool if it ended up being Darzana because she was a great character in those novels. Do you think Yoda in the Jedi temple in Lothal that we see season one, then season two, is that all attached in any real way to actual Yoda or is it just an echo? No, I think there's gotta be some attachment there. Like part of Yoda's life force that's being represented there. I think it has to for a couple of reasons. One, that look oh. he gives Ahsoka when he leaves. Oh, here we go. There Running away, Lady Tano. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Running away again. So we know <laughs> what happens in the Siege of Mandalore. Oh, yeah, baby. Temple mask. 
Oh, I love those masks. They're such oh. a cool design. Her armor again, is so great in this. Sorry, go ahead. And it harkens back to, which I love to Kanan's, yes. that port, that force vision he had yeah. in the temple where he was fighting or fighting the first, the Grand Inquisitor, I yeah, should yeah. say, when he was a Jedi Temple Guard. And that's mm-hmm. where it became knighted. And now it's coming back mm-hmm. full circle where he has to take on that mask for his biggest, probably challenge, challenge yet as a, an official Jedi Knight. By the way, this is a giant tease of how Obi-Wan beats Maul. This mm, is good call. Yeah. It takes slightly more time, but it basically is the same thing other than he doesn't murder him. At this point right here, I was watching it the first time. I was like, well, I hope Maul's not dead. <laughs> like, I don't want him to go out like that. It is interesting, though, that Obi-Wan and Luke in both the original movies and the extended literature and the new canon will kill bad guys if they have to out of mercy, if nothing else. But these Jedis go, you know, they risk so many lives and so many thousands of people die because they won't kill the Inquisitors. They'll murder stormtroopers left and right, but they won't kill the Inquisitors. It's the one thing I can't reconcile with, with the think, Rebels. I think Ezra, I mean, not Ezra, but Kanan was... He was going to kill the Grand Inquisitor in season mm. one. He had him, and the, Inquis- the Grand Inquisitor just decided to do it himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, His here we go. temple's a weapon. Yep. Yep. A most epic yeah. shot. <laughs> if you guys oh, have man, played the Mass Effect interest. video games, they steal so much from all this. Here we man. go. Oh, how cool is that? It was like commercial break no <laughs> not now one of my favorite moments in rogue one is before we see vader and the rebels are about to jump out and then his giant star destroyer comes in they all crash into oh, it amazing. you're like you yeah. ain't going nowhere bitches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not the guy who likes bad guys as you know but i love vader i could never get uh, enough vader, vader. Yeah. <laughs> i gotta say i love how he takes out and destroys ezra's makeshift flight saber right here this <laughs> is a great line then you will die braver vader. than most is yeah yeah <laughs> so cool. i think part of the reason that the vader comics have been so successful one of the reasons is they keep giving interesting side characters from the bounce off of whether it's tarkin or various other minions of the emperor so far. oh here we go man, all right no go, matter how go. many times i see this chills man just to stare down the dialogue oh, i'm getting it right now <laughs> thing is tim i hadn't seen the clone wars when i saw this and i was still covered in chills i like understood <laughs> it innately that's how good the storytelling yeah, is exactly i was gonna say that's what just speaks to how great a job dave filoni and company did in this moment it's just god uh, and then invader still kind of giving him that bargaining chip there <laughs> i mean all he cares about is trying to find the jedi but in reality i think he just means obi-wan that's all he cares about <laughs> just so cool that he he's always offers that temptation to everyone padme luke ahsoka here just really cool stuff i mean I guess, just from an aesthetic standpoint in terms of human or alien human looking aliens ahsoka in both series just looks the best i can't explain why maybe filoni just spends so long on her design she just looks amazing Awesome line right Look here. Her I'm face. No Jedi. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I am no Jedi. That's that's exactly like I am no man with Aowen, obviously, in Return of the yeah. King. Mm-hmm. Yep. Woo! Oh. <laughs> Anime action, baby! Oh yes! Uh, we're gonna get so much of this in Siege of Mandalore, my friend. Yes. <laughs> man, the this is like dream come true stuff right here. So it's oh, watching yes. Clone Wars. Every so shot is a screenshot. Look at her! Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. Is that thing? Is this the best lightsaber battle ever? Just objectively, is this the best lightsaber battle? Mm-hmm. I need so, a yeah, lot more training, says Ezra. <laughs> definitely something to think about, but animated wise, yes, easily. But I don't know where I'd put it just yet in every lightsaber battle. Let me put it film. this way if we give it an extra bump for level of difficulty for doing it animated, it's got to be up there. <laughs> Here we go. He tries to pull and, it out again, sacrifice for his friends, right? Ezra, go ahead. And from a story and emotional standpoint, that's what puts this wood panel way at the top, too. By the way, I mean, on my rewatch of season four, where Hera is finally dealing with Kanan's death and Chopper just put, holds Hera's hand, I started, like, bawling. I t- totally forgot about that moment. I was like, oh, my Chop- God, Chopper. Chop- Chopper's greatest moment of the entire series, <sighs> that little gesture right there. And I love, I know we're not there yet. With Vader. Here we go, baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the music's perfect. Oh. The sound. I assume you've watched the super cut of this going directly into World Between Worlds, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
God damn I mean, it. Just look at it. Geez. I mean, it's totally convincing that physically she could keep up with this giant. It, you oh, know? totally, yeah. And you know how Vader was using one hand against uh, Ezra and Kanan? He's using two hands <laughs> against Ahsoka. Well, I have a theory that Vader X has to use force powers because he never fully recovers physically, even with the new body, right, from uh, what Obi-Wan does to him. So it's not that he's a, not a great lightsaber fighter, but Vader does have to use force powers maybe when he wouldn't normally have to, right? Because he's still damaged physically, especially yeah. especially after this. I mean, this, this is why Yoda sends them here, is for Ahsoka to essentially take Vader out long enough for Luke Skywalker to grow up. I think. I think is what's happening. Oh, there oh, it is. Just how cool of a re-entrance is this? Like, you think they're just not going to get out, but oh you don't even God. see Vader, but you just see Ezra start getting pulled away. It's so awesome. I <laughs> mean, this is directly the lead into world between worlds and you know i predicted mm-hmm. time travel last year and i shot myself the way they worked it in oh yeah baby Woo! this moment uh james Earl jones scream there just classic vader <laughs> it is so awesome this is moment right here is what puts this episode over the top <sighs> that line ahsoka from james Earl jones and matt lanter kind of spliced together and now it's gonna yeah. go straight matt lanter i believe yeah yeah, See, when I saw that, his face cracked. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is amazing. This like They're surpassing every expectation <laughs> I would have had for this encounter. I remember in a press release image they sent, they had an image of Vader from the back in this moment. Like, no way would I expect this shot right here. So mm. cool, but no way would I imagine half of his face is, in his helmet is cracked. No, so good. <laughs> like, uh, until- no hint. No Until he throws the Emperor over the side of the end of Return of the Jedi, no one damages him this badly. Yep. Oh! Okay, and this goes directly into World Between Worlds right there. Right there. Yeah. That's the shot. Yep. And then yep. There, we see them fighting, and Ezra pulls her out. Jeez. I love how Ezra just cries at the end of this. It's Because yeah. we're all crying, right? I mean, the, uh, Tim, let's be honest. The fan base with the whole Ahsoka lives question mark, Dave Filoni trolling the fans, people were like genuinely upset about Ahsoka for a long period of time. Being oh, yeah. Dead. I remember the first reactions after this episode. A lot of people were kind of unhappy that they still left her story unanswered. Like, we still don't know if she's alive or dead. Like, don't this we see her walking be- away at the end? I never understood. That looks like obviously yeah. she's walking away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I was never one to think that. Oh, what's like? We don't know the circumstances, but Ahsoka somehow, some way, is still out. So there. I would like to point out blind messiahs from science fiction: Paul Atreides in Dune, uh, Neo in The Matrix. I mean, this in the blind samurai from Japanese literature. This is a trope that again, Dave Filoni smartly embraces and runs straight headlong into, and we love about him. Oh, that look on Rex's face. Man. I love Rex. But again, couldn't appreciate it fully until I saw Clone Wars. Now, one of my faves. Yep. And this is where I was glad to see Maul made it out there. <laughs> until Ezra steals this. No, he steals that ship, and then Ezra steals his ship. Oh, it's great. It's great. So cool. The music on here is fantastic. I mean, and then the, uh, yeah, con- Ahsoka, the convoy there, too, is like, oh, man. Like, uh, here's how I see this, Tim. From oh. here until Rogue One, he has to recover. Hmm. You see, I don't know. I think he could recover pretty, not that long. I, w- I don't want to say quick, but I don't think it took that long to physically recover. But it would be a cool lead-in, though, because we know there's, there's a good amount of time between, go. like, maybe about a year or maybe a little longer between this and Rogue One. But it would have been pretty cool as if, like, his injuries from this battle with Ahsoka was when we, then we pick up with to pick up with him in the temple on Mustafar and his back to tank. Mm-hmm. If that was because of his fight with Ahsoka, that would have been mm-hmm. pretty cool. But I think that's too long of a gap for that there to make go. to make sense. By the way, yep, Simon Kimberg and Dave Filoni, writers on both. Uh, not a surprise for the big the big heavy hitters. Yeah, directed Kiner by Dave score. Filoni, he has to direct all these big ones. <laughs> absolutely, so absolutely, that was amazing, man. I want to give you a couple quine, uh, final quick thoughts on let you go i really appreciate this that was super fun um so uh, we'll let people digest the episode so let's just talk about the obvious which is the siege of mandalore so you know i, I what i love about rogue one and the 90 percent i love about solo is the smart ways that they do nostalgia and you know like 
again, I've come along with the prequels over the years. I, you know that I had trouble initially, and I've come a long mm-hmm. way with them. And I've actually, because of Rogue One and Solo, have grown to think that not only can prequels work, but they can be an amazing form of storytelling. And Rebels has made me realize that. And Clone Wars has made me realize that. And my increased appreciation of the prequels has made me realize that. So I think prequels can be an amazing form of storytelling, because sometimes it's cool to know where you're going to end up, like with the Kessel Run, but you have no fucking idea how you're going to get there, right? And so we know where the Siege of Mandalore is going to end up. I'm excited about how to get there. Now, my final question to you is, you and, and I listen to you and Kyle and Paul on the Saga Continues about this, and you brought this up on our podcast, is you think there's going to be some combination of using the material that they never got to use with some new stuff? Like, how do you see that unfolding? Um, and then I have one quick question about Ahsoka, and I'll let you go. You mean just in regards to the Siege of Mandalore? Because well, remember, Clone we were Wars. talking about like how they were going to storyboard the 12, 13 episodes, and mm-hmm, I, I yeah. thought it was going to be like a lot of new stuff, and you're like, well, they actually have a lot of material in yeah. the bag already, and it seems like maybe it'll be somewhere in between. So where are you seeing that? Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think specifically with Siege of Mandalore, I think it's going to be somewhere in between, because I think they, ha- they obviously had the storyboard set up for it, but I don't think they had completed scripts yet done for it. Maybe mm. they did, but... I definitely don't think they had any dialogue recorded for that, those episodes yet. So I think they're going to have to fill in a lot of the gaps from what they had planned with Siege of Mandalore. So, but I'm so be much has happened. My only argument is on sorry. My, my only argument is so much has happened in canon since that initial plan for season six, seven, mm-hmm. eight, whatever. Yeah, that's true. So I think they're going to have to make a compromise. But Filoni has had zero problem. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Dave Filoni and his team has brought an entire generation to not only be okay with the prequels, but love the prequels. Like, who saw that coming? Through the Clone Wars, through the Rebels, like, they can do anything. I've always said, too, with Siege of Mandalore, Dave Filoni knew he was going to get that story told somehow, Mm. some way. And anything that would tie into it or apply with it, he'd have to oversee it first. And I think case in point is the Ahsoka novel. He said how closely he worked um, with the author on that one and just how make sure everything lined up to what he had already planned in the siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. So I think he, knowing that he would be able to fill in some of those gaps if yeah. needed. Like now, if they're later on when we, or Lucasfilm knew that clone Wars was coming back and they haven't finished mm-hmm. like lockdown scripts yet for siege of Mandalore. He has all that stuff that he knew when involved with the novel yep. for Ahsoka and any other little things that might tie in there to make sure that, the final script for it will be, you know, make total sense in the canon and everything will line up nicely as he knows Star Wars fans would come to expect from it. And if you guys want to see something that shows you how special the Star Wars family is, watch the 2016 celebration where Dave Filoni shows all his drawings and the plan they had for the Siege of Mandalore. And Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka, knew, had seen none of it. And she's literally in tears, a combination Mm -hmm. of happiness of seeing it, but also sadness that at least at the time it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. And Dave Filoni loves fucking with his actors, but you can tell deep down that he's getting great pleasure out of giving her a gift. I mean, he gave her an amazing gift, even if we never saw the Siege of Mandalore. Just the thought he put into it in the backstory, and then we get it in the novel, and now we're getting in the close. I mean, she's must be less on cloud nine, I would have to yeah. say. Yeah. Oh, easily. <laughs> I know, totally. And she always says she doesn't know where Ahsoka's story is going to continue on, but you know, she's always happy to be there for the ride and just mm-hmm. to see where it goes to, which is awesome. So Awesome, yeah, awesome dude. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. You have some stuff to take care of. Drop your sights really quickly quickly um kyle coming on tomorrow night should be really fun and interesting this will definitely be out before that happens because i'm going to literally edit this immediately and put it online uh so drop saga continues in your personal stuff and we'll have you on soon i hope you enjoyed the commentary man we never did one before i finally strong-armed you into it so i'm glad it worked (laughs) out so go ahead yeah, man, it was fun. So thanks for asking them specifically for yes. these episodes too, because they were amazing. I'm just glad scheduling it worked out from what I could. So yes, uh, I've but been yeah, planning could, it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you picked a perfect moment to strike. All right. <laughs> so yeah, you can check me out. My personal Twitter account is TimG311 and our Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can check out our website and podcast over at StarWarsTSC.com and our Twitter handle, which is kind of our primary uh, form of social media where we interact with everyone mm-hmm. is at Star Wars TSC. And by the way, guys, 
Tim's one of the nicest guys ever. Do not troll him on Twitter about Kelly Marie Tran or Kathleen Kennedy because he will be super nice about it, but I will come after you and troll <laughs> you back. So just consider <laughs> yourself warned. <laughs> yeah. Tim will be yeah. like, we'll have to dis- agree to disagree, and I'll yeah. say some sarcastic shit at you because we're sticking together. And Tim, I think Ahsoka, again, is the perfect example of over the years, the dissension among Star Wars fans. Ultimately, the good Star Wars fans mostly come together I think Ahsoka is a perfect example of that, and I couldn't be happier for all the prequel and Clone Wars stuff that we're getting going forward. I know you feel that way, too. 100%. Yep. <laughs> it's like it's just awesome that we have all these different eras to pick from, and I'm glad that they're not shying away from it Absolutely. as of right now. So oh, no. Yeah. The Master and Apprentice novel, I think, is going to sell extremely well. I cannot yeah, wait I to read so. that. Yeah. So, okay, guys. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so much, BizzleCast listeners. I'm through two seasons. I might take a short break on The Rebels and do some Clone Wars with Simi, but I'm thrilled that I got through it with my buddy Tim. I couldn't do, couldn't have done it without you, man. I'm, I'm not just saying that. I needed help All on right. this one. It was just too epic. My head would have just been exploding. I mean, it was exploding anyways, but it was great to have you here. BizzleCast listeners, thank you for all your support. It's been an unbelievable few months. I mean, I can't believe how many downloads I'm getting on some of this stuff. So please keep the feedback coming. I'm going to try and give you as much good quality content as possible. Please check out Tim on the Saga Continues, my favorite Star Wars podcast. You guys know that. You can just go to the BizzleCast page and see the links there for that as well. So for now, you guys have been awesome. I've been the Bizzle. He's been Tim. We've been really thrilled to bring you Twilight of the Apprentice, but for now, the BizzleCast is out. Oh, oh, hey.